Hi, this is Gary Washburn, pastor of Grace Tabernacle. Thank you for tuning to our podcast today. Our hope is that this message inspires you and builds your faith. For more information about Grace Tabernacle and our ministries, please go to gracetab.org and like us on Facebook. Now, may the message feed your soul. We have the privilege tonight, uh, Brother Jim Osterk. Jim and Phyllis are right here. If you don't know them, you've really missed a blessing. And uh, they are here, but they're getting ready to leave us. And they're moving down to South Florida. I told them it wasn't God's will, but they're doing it anyway. And uh, no, and uh, we're certainly going to miss them. But I wanted Jim to come up and tell you his incredible testimony. So, Jim, come on up. Feel free. No hurry. Just take your time. Thank you, Pastor, and good evening, brothers and sisters. My name is James Arthur. I'm, I'm an ex-Muslim from Istanbul, Turkey. All my life, I was raised as a Muslim, which means praying towards Mecca five times a day. And uh, one of the things they do is to go to pilgrimage, which is called Hajj. Every Muslim is supposed to do that once a year. I was born into a Muslim family. My father was from Kazakhstan. My mom is from Tatarstan. They ended AN, as you know. I was born in Germany after World War II, and I speak a little German. And, uh, and we tried to come to the United States, but we did not beat the quota, so we had to wait another 10 years where I spent 10 years in Turkey. I speak Turkish too. We were finally able to come to the United States in 1961. We did not speak any English, but we learned. When I was about 23, 25, I practiced Sufism. Some of you probably know what that is. That's a sect of, uh, yeah, it's a sect of Islam which um, is different. You have to rotate and pray. Also very, very uh, strict Muslim sect. During that time, I fasted 30 days in the month of Ramadan and prayed towards Mecca. My sister got born again first. And she was practicing on me to help me save me. And I kept on saying, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm I'm a good Muslim. I I did not kill anybody. So I should be able to go to heaven with you. And she said, no. One day she started really crying. She said, I love you, brother. And I want to see you in heaven. And then that made me think. And I realized I want to know this Isa, which is another name for, for uh, Jesus. They know, Muslims know Isa as a prophet, but not as son of God. <coughs> as I said, all Muslims are allowed to go to Mecca once in their lifetime. That's called Hajj, H-A-J-J. 
Okay. I was ready to go, and I used to go and travel as a dance host. So when I came back, I used to put my passport in a metal box. So I knew exactly where it was. So when they asked me to prepare to go to Mecca, they wanted my passport. So I assumed it was there, but it wasn't. I went to look for it, and it was gone. Holy Spirit, I think, blinded my eyes. So they left without me because I had no time to get another visa. It was too short. So they left, and I decided to go see my sister because I had three weeks of vacation. <clears throat> and they, want, they were going to Coral They lived in Coral Springs, and when I got there, they were ready to go to see Benny Hinn. <laughs> so they, they took me along. And uh, all of a sudden, pastor said, those, oh yeah, at that time I was dating a lady and she said I got pregnant. And she said, you're the father. I said, I will find out, I have to do a blood test. So, uh, at, uh, and I went to Coral Spring, I mean, I went to Meg, excuse me, I went to my, uh, Orlando with my mom, I mean, my, yeah, mom was there too and my sister. My first time there, so I was, I don't know what was going on. All of a sudden, the pastor asked, who is about to be a father? I said, okay, that's me. And my sister kept on pushing me. Go, 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 that's you. So I went, and they, they asked me. First of all, he did his round. He went all around the fathers-to-be. And he came to me, and he looked at me straight in my eye. He said, you are the father, and he's going to be a godly son. And I started crying. I, I, I finally knew what the answer was. So I, I went back and sat down. And then afterwards, me and my sister talked. We hugged and we kissed each other. I agreed to do a blood test, like I said, and finally, yes, he came out 99.9%. He is my son. He's 32 years old right now, and he's walking with the Lord. Uh, yes, yes. Amen. After this experience, I went to the Holy Land and was baptized in River Jordan. I have been walking with the Lord almost over three years now. My mother and my sisters are all believers. God saved my life many times. I have no time to get into that, but he's an awesome God. <laughs> In April 2022, 21, I had AFib and I was hospitalized with COVID. April 2022, I wound up with stroke. And then later on, I, I wound up falling, my, hitting my head, and uh, I had, yeah, brain bleed. Now, while I was in the hospital for 30 days, recently, January started, my 
cardiologist suggested that I should do a heart catheterization. And that's when I was surprised. When they did that, I found out that I had three blockages, 90, 95, and 100. Yeah, all three. So cardiologists suggested that I go through triple bypass and replacement of the valve. Okay, I did all that. And now I'm here. <laughs> Praise God. All glory to God. All glory to God. Thank you. Sorry, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> All right. Thank you. He got saved at Benny Hinn's church, is that right? No, no. no? I was saved before, okay. but we, I mean, afterwards, but Benny Hinn was the catalyst. Oh, okay. He's the one who got me thinking. Okay. And my sister was always saying to me, I love you. I want you to come to, I want to see you in heaven with me. And uh, I said, okay, one day. So I said, I said, I'm a good man. I didn't kill anybody. But he said, that's not enough. So uh, here I am now. Heard the gospel. Amen, amen. I heard the well, you, you know, he, um, the great thing is he was, he was going to Mecca to make a oh, hajj. Yeah, yeah. I forgot to say that. Yeah, that's right. uh, they were getting ready to go to Mecca. Mm-hmm. And as I said, you're, one of your uh, hajj, is to go to Mecca. But I put my passport when I came back from my dance was traveling in a little metal box. And um, when I was ready to go, I, I just went to the metal box because we're supposed to get visas and all that to go. So it was not there. It wasn't there. It wasn't there. Holy Spirit blinded my eyes because he wanted me to go to be Jesus. But it was in the box. But later on, just before that, after they gone, I was going to see my my sister, and I wanted a box. Guess what? It was it was right there. It was right there. <laughs> so I couldn't see it. I think that is so cool. He was going to Mecca. Yes. Instead, he had a detour to meet Jesus. Amen. How about that? Amen. Detour to meet Jesus, and I'm so glad I did. And now he's a he's a dance instructor. So, like, uh, to teach ballroom dancing? Well, I, I, I was um, doing a gentleman host mm-hmm. in the ships. I got free trips, and I danced with the ladies with their permission, with the husbands. <laughs> so. Now, Phyllis says, now you only dance with me, right? Exactly. <laughs> you re- oh, you can't do that. No, no, you have to be single. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I was talking in him to if we had to ever have a couple's uh, banquet again, that we would have a ballroom dancing instructor to do a teach ballroom. He said he would do that. So now they're moving but, but, away. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, we're going to go back to Delray, yeah. where my sister lives and where, my, where her sister lives. Okay. So. Maybe you'll come back and give us a dance <laughs> lesson. I, I would like to, yes. Oh, okay, well, yeah. let's just pray for Jim and Phyllis, because uh, when are you leaving, by the way? Um, we signed the contract. In the hospital, believe it or not. And now we're going to possibly go end of this month or early April. Okay. Before your last Sunday, let us know. Of we course, want, of course. We I want to pray you know. for you right now. Uh, God, we thank you for 
this mighty man and woman of God whom you've changed, you've touched, Lord, and uh, now he is a bold, he's bold in his evangelism and sharing this faith about Jesus. Even in we the hospital. Thank, even in the <laughs> hospital, he did, yes. Amen. And so we pray that you increase him, we pray that you protect Amen. him. Amen, thank you. And Lord. bless thank this you, uh, this transition, this move, that it not be hard on them, that they have great grace yes. on them. Amen. Amen. Thank you for this great testimony, God, in Jesus' name. Thank you Amen. Me speak. Thank Amen. You. Amen. Thank you, my brother. Awesome. Praise God. Yeah. Not every day you get to meet a former Muslim on his way to Mecca, and then he gets saved. How about that? Isn't that awesome? That is just beautiful. We're talking about numbers on Wednesday nights, and tonight's number seven. I'm, don't worry, I'm not going to do every number. We'll, we'll quit here probably real soon, do something else. But number seven tonight's a very important number, and uh, it deals with the perfection or completion of something. And uh, number seven is the most frequent number found in the scriptures. Did you know that? You probably did, over 860 times. Uh, 54 of those times it's mentioned in the book of Revelation. So number seven is a pretty important number. It keeps showing up. You know, our week is made up of how many days? And the Sabbath day was what day? The seventh day after all the work was completed. The day of rest, the Sabbath, marked the seventh day of completion. Without a telescope, I'm told that you can actually see uh, seven objects in the, uh, in the, uh, up in the heavens, uh, the moon, the sun, Mercury, Venus, Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn by just the eye, if you know what you're looking for, without a telescope. Uh, seven, and you go in the Bible, Enoch, the one who walked with God and was not, who did not die, God took him, the scripture says, he was the seventh from Adam. I thought that was interesting. God gave a sevenfold blessing to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, verse 2. He says, I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. And all the earth will be blessed because of you. A sevenfold blessing on Abraham. We know was, uh, we're getting ready to have the Seder pretty soon here, uh, that it's the first of the spring feast. There are seven feasts of the Lord. The Lord tells us to remember. And there's four in spring and three in fall. Uh, we know that the fall of Jericho, if you read jo uh, Joshua chapter 6, uh, there were, God said, I want seven priests to have seven ram's horns and they're going to walk around Jericho for seven days and on the seventh day at the right command they're going to go around Jericho seven times and uh, then at the right command they're going to they're going to blow the ram's horns and the walls will fall flat and that happened exactly God used seven to show the completion of something King David it's interesting was the seventh son of Jesse Mary Magdalene had seven demons cast out of her, specifically mentions that. Matthew chapter 12, verse 45 speaks of if you cast a demon out of somebody and he doesn't get filled up with the Holy Spirit, there are seven more demons 
they're going to come in, the ultimate completion of evil. In the book of Acts, when they needed deacons to wait on tables and to minister to the widows, Acts 6.3 says there were seven men chosen. The book of Revelation says there, there are seven letters written to seven churches of Asia. It mentions seven stars, seven candlesticks, seven angels, seven spirits of God, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven last plagues, seven bowls of wrath. All through the book of Revelation, seven is mentioned quite frequently. You may not know this, but there are seven I am statements of Jesus where he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door of the sheep. And so there's seven of these statements all in the book of John. I am statements. When God wants to forgive perfectly, you see the number seven show up. Peter asked the Lord, Lord, if my brother sins against me, uh, and I forgive him, How should I do it seven times? And what did Jesus say? Seventy times seven. So a completion, an ultimate completion of something. You may have heard of seven spirits of God. In the book of Revelation, it mentions the seven spirits of God. In Isaiah chapter 11, it mentions the seven spirits of God. And uh, they are the spirit of the Lord the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel, the uh, spirit of knowledge, the spirit of might, and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, the completion. These are the seven spirits of the Lord. If you've never heard that before, it's in the book of Revelation four times, Isaiah chapter 11. <clears throat> I just wanted to camp out on that part of the spirit of counsel for a moment. That's, that's always been the one that's intrigued me. The spirit of counsel. The spirit of the Lord is the spirit of counsel. I remember in Bible college, my first psychology class, the professor made this profound statement. I'll never forget it. He started off the class with this. Counseling is not giving advice. That stunned me because I thought it was. I thought, how do you counsel people without giving advice, but he made a very important point, and it stuck with me. Counseling is not giving advice, and one of the spirits of the Lord is the spirit of counsel, and so this puzzled me when I heard this in the psychology class, and then he went on to elaborate and teach us throughout the whole course that counseling somebody is helping them to see the problem, to own the problem, and to come up with a godly solution for that problem. You're just helping them. Some people you can counsel. Some people you can't counsel because they won't receive counsel. You're trying to help them to see it, but if they won't see the problem, then you can't really help them with that. One of my go-to verses lately for me for the last several months has been Psalm 25, and it's has the word counsel in it. It says this, who is the man who fears the Lord? Question mark. And it answers it by saying he, and it's referring to God, he will teach him, the one who fears the Lord, in the way he should choose. And then it goes on to say the counsel of the Lord is with those who fear God. 
He will make known his covenant to them. There's a lot to unpack in that verse, and we could stay all night on that, but I just want to give you just a little personal tidbit of revelation about this. We're to go to God for his counsel. We have a problem, God. We don't know what the answer is. Maybe I don't see the problem in the light of your light. So I'm asking you to help me to see the problem and to see the godly solution to the problem. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. You have to be careful with that because in the multitude of opinions, there's a multitude of opinions. So it says in a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom. David, when he became king, he had no prior experience to being a king. In fact, the only king he ever saw was King Saul, who was a wicked king. So David had to learn how to be a king. And his only example was a wicked king. David had wise counselors around him. And the Bible says that when David was being approached with war, he would go to his counselors and get wisdom. Should we go up to war against the Philistines or not? They would give them their, their counsel. But then it says David would get alone with the Lord and ask the Lord, God, do we go up against the Philistines or not? And the Lord would speak to David and say, yeah, go up, or no, don't go up, or tell him how to do it. And we have many of those examples there in the Bible. And so, as I shared with you several weeks ago, faith hears God. Faith believes God. Faith obeys God. There have been many times in my life I've gotten ahead of God. I did what I thought was the right thing to do. I did maybe what even other people told me was the right thing to do. And it wasn't that they were wrong or or necessarily that I was wrong, but I didn't get the counsel of the Lord. I thought I was by talking to a bunch of people. Years and years ago, a long time ago, probably long before the majority of you, we had, uh, we had a youth minister here who was part-time. And something happened in him where he began to believe that he was supposed to be the next pastor while I was here and that I was to step down. And uh, we went back and forth with that and brought it to the elders And finally, it came out in a meeting that we all had that he said, you guys all know that I'm supposed to be, most of you know that I'm supposed to be the next pastor. And I don't know why Pastor Gary doesn't know that, why didn't he just step down? Basically like that. And uh, we tried reconciliation with love for almost exactly a year to try to reconcile and not lose the relationship because he was already, a lot of people loved this person, their family and all that. And so we didn't want to cause any division. We tried as best we could to reconcile. I tried meeting with him multiple, multiple, multiple times. At the end of the year, it became apparent this was not working. And me, along with the elders, about 
decided at the end of the year that we're just going to release him, tell him that's it, okay, you're done, here's your pay, thanks, but it's not working. And we came up with that idea, believing that it was the nicest way to do it, the most gracious way to do it, and it wouldn't cause a lot of hurt in the family. It seemed like a good idea, and we were all united. Unity is not always a sign of God's approval. Just because we were united. I went home. I felt good about it that night. We got a plan. Seven weeks from now, we'll be done with this. Next morning in my quiet time, the Lord asked me a question that literally shocked me. When I sat down ready to just spend time with God, this is what the Spirit of God said. He said, what have you done? What do you mean? I knew what he's talking about, the meeting from last night. He said, what have you done? So I began to rehearse to God everything we did, thinking that it was a good idea. Maybe he didn't understand all the... The reasoning why we were doing this, and it was a loving way and a gentle way, and it was probably the, the nicest thing, the, the way that we could do it without harming the, the church and people. And this is what he said. He said, you got from everybody, you got advice from everybody, but you didn't ask me. Now, I've been praying. So I gave God every excuse in the world why I thought it was a gracious idea, and we've already decided now if I change all that, the elder's going to be mad at me, everybody's going to be mad at me. And he proceeded to tell me that he wanted this youth minister released immediately. This is the Holy Spirit talking. I want him released immediately. This has gone on long enough, and I want him gone and I don't want him back at church. Wow. Oh, boy, Lord, I'm going to make a lot of enemies now. What are you going to do? What would you do? You better obey God. What if everybody doesn't like it? Easier said than done now, because right now you're armchair quarterbacks. But I was there at that moment. But I knew I had to do that. So I called up an elder who was in agreement with me about that. And I said, meet with me. And we'll meet with him that evening. And he came in, and I told him, we've tried to work this out. It ain't working. It's causing division in the church. And we're done and uh, turn your keys over. I want you to leave, and I don't want you to go to church here. You need to go find another church because you're causing division and strife. He did. He left. <clears throat> I back up a little bit. When the Lord spoke that to my heart, my heart started skipping a beat. That's a scary thing. Within minutes... My mom came in the backyard, which she very rarely ever does, while I'm out there in the morning having my quiet time. And she came up to me and she said, Gary, you need to do something about so-and-so because the Lord's just warning me that this has gone on too long. And I listened, and I didn't sell her, and I just said, okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for telling me that. That was a clear confirmation. She knew nothing about how the Lord was dealing with me. 
on that. And so it wasn't anything like her to do that. But this was very, very, very clear. I heard God. I believed God. Now I had to obey God. And I had to explain to the elders why I did what I did. And it actually went against uh, what we all had all agreed about. We had a plan. And uh, they were gracious enough with me to believe that I had heard from God. And we went on from there. You see... There's a tough side to church. It's not all lovey-dovey. Paul and Barnabas had a tremendous disagreement about John Mark. And as far as we know, I'm sure they had love and forgiveness for one another, but they couldn't work together again. Paul and Barnabas never worked together on a mission trip again. You hear of Paul and Silas. And was there forgiveness given? Yes. When I see this individual out in town, hug, love you, how's your family, we talk, we're cordial, but we can't work together. Why? There's no trust. If you don't have trust, what do you have? You can't have that. Is there forgiveness? Yes. But love has to have boundaries. We're dealing right now in a very difficult situation uh, in my home. And uh, we all need your prayers. And uh, my son has come back with us. And last night was the first night he stayed with us. And... uh, we were hoping him to do well. He's just got a lot of things he's got to deal with. It's very, very tough. Very, very tough. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. And we are learning, not succeeded, we are learning, or trying to learn with God how to navigate through this by letting him lead us and set up boundaries that'll keep us from being destroyed by the enemy. You've all had to do something like that at one time in your life with uh, people that are difficult and difficult to deal with, people you love, but you have to set up a boundary. And if you don't set up a boundary, then you're letting the enemy come in and have access to you and drain you of everything you got so that you cannot fulfill the assignment upon your life. My wife is teaching a great class on uh, Thursdays. Uh, I'm trying to read, I've read part of the book. I need to read the rest of it about boundaries and how to set up boundaries. Even with people you love, you have to set up boundaries. You know, we have to set up boundaries. Our country's in a crisis because there's no boundaries set up down there in the South. It's terrible. Our country's in a crisis. You've got to have a boundary. You're not a country. We don't mind immigrants coming in, but come in the legal way. So everybody here is safe. You know, you have a door on your house because it's a boundary. You have locks on your house because it's a boundary. We all have to have safe boundaries from people. 
and things that we do not want to allow in our life. And you have to decide those with God, like what's going to be the boundary? What are the things we're going to put up with and what are the things we're not going to put up with? Can I get a witness from somebody that knows what I'm talking about? I'm just being as real to you as I know how to be. So when, uh, when we see the seven spirits of the Lord, those spirits of the Lord are for us to access. The spirit of the Lord, we have the Holy Spirit. Spirit of wisdom, we ask God for wisdom. Spirit of understanding, God, give me understanding of your ways and thoughts that are higher than my ways. The spirit of counsel, Lord, I come and I sit here and listen for your counsel. In fact, one of the things I told someone to do today who's dealing with a lot of serious problems, I said, after we were done talking in my office and listening, I said, come in here in the sanctuary, and I love it when it's dark. And I said, just sit over here in a chair, nobody here but you and God, and sit down in the counsel of the Lord and ask God for guidance and be still and see what he has to say to you. That time in here was probably worth more than the hour that they spent with me because you need to hear the counsel of the Lord. If you don't hear God, you don't have faith. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. If you haven't heard from God, you can't have faith. Well, I've got faith. No, faith comes from hearing God. What is God telling you? Not what is God telling everybody else. What is God telling you? And if you don't know, you need to get alone with God. This is a great place to come. Just come in here and sit. Talk to God. And allow him to talk to you. He will counsel you. But what do you do when you're asking God for counsel and you don't get anything? What do you do when you don't hear anything from the Lord? Nothing. You wait. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to fix this then don't run off and do something. Wait. It could be that God is working in a thousand other people around this whole situation that you don't know anything about. I like the uh, saying, I think uh, Bill uh, Johnson said it. He said, if we want the peace that passes understanding... We have to get past our need to understand. It's called trust. We have to trust. God, you've heard me. You've heard my prayers. I don't know what to do, but I trust you. I don't understand you, but I trust you. And one of the seven spirits of the Lord is the spirit of understanding. That will come. But like someone said, obey God first, understand why later. We want to understand why first, then obey God. No, obey God first, understand why later. All right, let me land this plane. Seven, 
When God sanctifies something, you see the number seven. Look at this in Leviticus 8. Moses took this anointing oil, and he anointed the tabernacle, and he sprinkled the altar. How many times? Why did God mention that? When God protects something, you see the number seven. Look at this in Deuteronomy 28. The Lord shall cause your enemies to come out against thee one way, but they shall flee before thee. And then you see two sevens. Number 77 represents a witness of God's spirit. Jesus just happens to be the 77th name in Luke's genealogy. The word church, the phrase house of God, appears 77 times in the Bible. The number 70 represents perfect order by God's spirit. The kingdom of God is mentioned 70 times. Jesus sent out 70 disciples. Moses appointed 70 elders. Daniel's prophecies for 70 weeks. Israel was in Babylon for 70 years. Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 A.D. And then finally, 777. How about three sevens? It's interesting. Calvary or Golgotha is 777 feet above sea level. And Noah's father, who was called Lamech, lived 777 years. So seven is perfection by the Spirit of God. And I'm sure there's a million other things that we could talk about seven tonight. But I want you to just hear this. When God speaks and he gives specifics, then you need to listen to specifics. He doesn't always give us a number. But when he speaks specifics, you need to pay attention because he's trying to communicate through something. And so when he speaks of seven, oftentimes he's speaking of perfection by the Spirit. Amen? All right. Thank you for listening. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you for your genius. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your counsel. Thank you for number seven in your word, the number of perfection. Thank you, God. And bless your people and bring us back Sunday, Lord, filled with the Spirit, ready to go and advance the kingdom of God. May souls be saved, lives be changed, bodies be healed. May there be deliverance. May we see miracles, signs, and wonders that will bring you glory in your name. Amen and amen. God bless you, folks. Remember to pray for Mindy tomorrow.